0: So, uh, this week I felt inspired to study about Joseph, the son of Jacob. And as I got to studying, I realized that this story is different than how I remembered it. The last two times I read it, it was a part of a Bible study. And it was one of those intensive Bible studies where you read the Bible in a year. So, I missed a lot of the details. And I'm betting some of you guys probably did, too. So Joseph's story ends on a less positive note than I remember. But before I get started, let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for your word. I just pray that you use it to open up our hearts to learn more about you and learn what it means to be your child. I just pray um, as I speak that you only give me words to speak and that you would open up our hearts. Um, And you would shape our hearts to look like you. In Jesus' name I pray, Amen. amen. So Joseph is one of 12 sons of Jacob. He is Jacob's favorite son at this time. So let's start at the beginning, which is found in Genesis 37, 3 through 8. And when you find it, please stand for the reading of God's word. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any other of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, Listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed to it. His brothers said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he said. You may be seated. Now, we find throughout this story, God blesses Joseph with incredible wisdom. This was not one of those moments. I don't know if you realize it, but some of his older brothers were some mean dudes. Two of them wiped out a whole camp of men because one of them raped their sister. Probably not the brightest moment to brag about ruling them in one day. So Joseph's brothers hated him so much, they plotted to kill him. But Reuben, the oldest, talked them out of it. And then Judah decided they should make money off of Joseph, so they sold him into slavery. And his brothers sold him to some Ishmaelites. And then the Ishmaelites sold him to Potiphar, one of the Pharaoh's officials in Egypt. The thing to know about Egypt is they thought the Israelites were detestable and would not even eat with them. So let's start out talking about Joseph's success during the move to Egypt. First, Joseph succeeded in not dying. That's a pretty good one. His brothers wanted to kill him, but the oldest Reuben talked them out of killing Joseph. So instead, he was sold as a slave. Then Joseph gets sold to Potiphar, who is one of the Pharaoh's Pharaoh's officials. The Lord blessed everything Joseph touched. So Potiphar put him in charge of everything. Then Joseph ends up in prison, and God blesses Joseph again. And the prison warden puts him in charge of everything. As you can see, God has given Joseph this grace of being a leader and having authority. Wherever he goes... People realize he is a superb, smart guy. The Pharaoh gets mad at his cupbearer and his baker, so they get thrown in prison with Joseph. They both have a dream. The cupbearer and the baker were sad because they couldn't interpret their dreams. Joseph's faith is real strong at this point, and he tells them he can't interpret dreams but God can. So not only does Joseph have the ability to interpret the dream, but he has the wisdom to praise God for giving it to him. So that is very important. Keep that in mind. So God gives Joseph the interpretation, and the cupbearer gets restored to his position. Then after a couple of years, the Pharaoh has two troubling dreams. Then the cupbearer remembers Joseph and how he successfully interpreted his dream and also the baker's. None of the pharaoh's magicians or wise men could interpret the dream, so he calls for Joseph. Once again, Joseph tells the pharaoh he can't interpret dreams, but God can. Joseph interprets both dreams, and both of these dreams were about the future of the crops in Egypt, well, in more than just Egypt. God showed Joseph there would be seven years of abundance and then there would be seven years of famine. Right away, Joseph has a game plan to deal with the famine and the Pharaoh was so impressed that he gave Joseph authority over everything except his throne. Joseph is proving at a really high level He is wise and skilled above all the people around him. Maybe that's why his brothers were so threatened by him. So Joseph gets married and has two boys. Joseph makes Egypt really rich because of the famine. And Joseph ends up reconciling with his brothers and spends time with his dad before his dad dies. So now let's talk about some of the troubles along the way. Well, first, The obvious is the betrayal of his brothers, for him to miss out on all the time with his dad and the rest of his family, uh, which was about 75 people in all. Then Joseph became a slave, as we read earlier in Psalm 105, 17 and 18. And it says, and he sent a man before them, Joseph, sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with shackles. His neck was put in irons, and then even at Potiphar's house, God blessed him, and he succeeded, but he was still a slave in a land that he didn't want to be in. Like I said, he was in Egypt, a place where they detested Hebrews, even to the point where they wouldn't eat with them. Then Potiphar's wife wants to sleep with Joseph, and because he refused, she sets him up. Potiphar was furious, and I really can't imagine a situation where Joseph, being a Hebrew slave, doesn't get beat over that. But the scriptures don't give us details on what Potiphar did in his anger. We just know that Joseph gets thrown in prison because of Potiphar's wife. He is a slave and a prisoner for 13 years total before he is given authority by the pharaoh. And then usually we are taught this is where the happy ending begins. So let's look a little closer. I would suspect from the text, when Joseph is given power and authority, his spiritual life seems to take a hit. Even the royal clothes that he's wearing aren't what he was meant to be wearing. He was supposed to wear the fancy coat from his dad. The Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Zaphaneath, P-A-N-E-A-H. I'm not even going to try that. So now he doesn't go by his Hebrew name that his dad gave him, but instead an Egyptian name. He married a daughter of an Egyptian priest. So in my opinion, Joseph is wearing the wrong clothes, now has the wrong name, and is married to the wrong lady. And maybe you're not convinced yet, so let's go on. Then Joseph's brothers come to get food, and we find out how troubled Joseph is. Joseph sees his brothers, and he can barely keep together. And at this point, he hasn't even revealed who he is. He recognizes them, but they don't recognize him. The great manager Joseph seems as if he can't or doesn't know how to manage his feelings. And I'm not sure that any one of us could either in his situation. Seeing that his brothers who rejected him in such an awful way, his brothers wanted him dead, they didn't believe in his dreams. Yet strangers believed him and his dreams. That is the very reason Joseph is in authority is because the Pharaoh believed Joseph. Joseph ends up accusing his brothers of being spies and told them to come back with Benjamin. After Joseph died, at least in the mind of Jacob, he becomes very protective of his new favorite son named Benjamin. So Jacob would not let Benjamin go to Egypt. Then after they run out of food, the brothers convince Jacob to allow Benjamin to go so they they all don't die. Then Joseph sets up Benjamin, kind of like Potiphar's wife set him up. When I read this, it looks like Joseph's original plan was to keep Benjamin in Egypt. So how did Joseph set Benjamin up? Well, he put his cup inside Benjamin's bag, and this was not an ordinary cup. It was his cup he used for divination. And you can find this starting in Genesis 44, 3-5. Do- as the morning dawned, the men were sent out on their way uh, with their donkeys. They had gone, They had not gone far from the city of Joseph. And he said to his stewards, go after the men at once. And when you catch up with them, say to them, Why have you repaid good with evil? Isn't this the cup of my master drinks from and also uses for divination? This is a wicked thing you have done. And then also he continues in Genesis 45, 15. Joseph said to them, What is this that you have done? Do you not know that a man like me can find things out by divination? Before when Joseph was a humble slave, He used to say, it's God who interprets dreams. But now, after being wealthy and married to a lady who had a father that was a priest in a false temple, Joseph uses a cup as a part of telling or giving the future. I know often we like to make Joseph as the hero, but it is God who is the hero. And this wasn't a story only about a 17-year-old boy who goes from being a slave to being royalty. The main theme is God uses a 17-year-old boy, the youngest at the time, to go into slavery and gain authority to preserve the 12 brothers who would become the tribes of Israel. Also in this story, God uses the brothers to break through Joseph's hard heart. How did God preserve Jacob and the 12 brothers? Well, he made Joseph wise enough to have favor with the Pharaoh. So much favor, he was put in charge of everything. And here is how Stephen explains it to the Sanhedrin before he dies. This is found in Acts 7, 8 through 15. Then he gave Abraham the covenant of circumcision. And Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him eight days after the birth. Later, Isaac became the father of Jacob, and Jacob became the father of the twelve patriarchs. Because the patriarchs were jealous of Joseph, they sold him as a slave into Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him from all his troubles. He gave Joseph wisdom and enabled him to gain goodwill of the Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So Pharaoh made him ruler over Egypt, And all his palace. Then a famine struck all of Egypt and Canaan, bringing great suffering, and our ancestors could not find food. When Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent out our forefathers on their visit. And on their second visit, Joseph told the brothers who he was, and the Pharaoh learned about Joseph's family. After this, Joseph sent for his father Jacob and his whole family. 75 in all. Then Jacob went down to Egypt where he and our ancestors died. This story is more about the beginning of the Israelites and how God preserved the lives and relationships of the brothers. So we know at the beginning the brothers collectively didn't like Joseph. And it's not clear exactly how Joseph felt at the beginning when he saw his brothers in Egypt. We just know that he uncontrollably wept. And we see the first sign of the brothers repenting in Genesis 42, 21 through 24. They said to one another, Surely we are being punished because of our brother. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life, but we wouldn't listen. That's why this distress has come on us. And then Reuben replied, Didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy? But you wouldn't listen. Now we must give an accounting for his blood. They did not realize that Joseph could understand them since he was using an interpreter. He turned away from them and began to weep. But then came back and spoke to them again, and he had Simon taken from them and bound before their eyes. Also, there are a few verses here that show that the brothers have changed. Now, Jacob has a new favorite child, and Reuben offers protection for Jacob's new favorite child, Benjamin. And we can find this in Genesis 42, 36, and 37. Their father Jacob said to them, You have deprived me of my child. Joseph is no more. Simeon is no more. And now you want to take Benjamin? Everything is against me. Then Reuben said to his father, You may put both of my sons to death if I do not bring him back to you. And trust him to my care, and I will bring him back. So Jacob let him go to Egypt. Then Joseph sets up Benjamin to become a slave. Joseph did this by making it look like Benjamin stole His cup for divination. So, do you guys remember who Judah was in the story at the beginning? He was the one who came up with the idea to make money off of Joseph by selling him into slavery. Listen to what Judah says to Joseph regarding Benjamin stealing the cup. In Genesis 44:30 through 34, he says, So now, if the boy is not with us when I go back to your servant, my father, and if my father, whose life closely is bound up with the boy's life, sees that the boy isn't there, he will die. Your servant will bring the gray head of our father down to the grave in sorrow. Your servant guaranteed the boy's safety to my father. I said, if I do not bring him back to you, I will Bear the blame before you, my father, all of my life. Now then, please, let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave in place of the boy, and let the boy return with his brothers. How can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? No, do not let me see the misery that would come on my father." See, Judah offers himself to be a slave instead of his brother Benjamin. After Judah's plea, Joseph no longer can control himself. And he wept so loud that the Pharaoh's household heard him. And I'm not sure what that looked like, if camel alarms were going off while they were eating, but somehow the Pharaoh's household just heard him like weeping so loud. And then he finally revealed himself. To his brothers as Joseph. Joseph was able to see that his brothers had changed and learned to love the younger brother who was Jacob's favorite. God decided to use Judah to bring peace to the family. After Joseph reveals himself, then he sends them back to bring all of the family up there to live. At last, The whole family, about 75 in all, were reunited in Egypt. Throughout this story, the brothers thought God was against them. This is what the brothers said before they took the second trip with Benjamin. This is found in Genesis 42, 27 and 28. At the place where they stopped for the night, one of them opened his sack to get feed or his donkey, and he saw his silver in the mouth of the sack. My silver has been returned, he said to his brothers. Here it is in my sack. Their hearts sank, and they turned to each other trembling and said, what is this that God has done to us? So in the middle of this perfect plan of God, saving Jacob's family, the brothers think, that God has turned on them. Now let's look at Joseph's perspective of God during this situation. And we can find this in Genesis 45 and 5, or verse 5. And now, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Also, he says something similar in uh, Genesis 45, 8. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, Lord of the entire household and ruler of all of Egypt. This is one of those mind-blowing thoughts on how God can use tough situations it's how God can make things happen even though we make choices. The brothers teach us we can think God is against us when sometimes he really is. This is, a part of, this is a part of why it's so hard for people to understand the relationship between grace and the works we do and how grace and works go together. And we think we are doing all kinds of work when it's really God working in us. Also, the relationship of when bad things happen and how God uses them. This is an interesting idea that we have way less control than we think we do. So in closing, let's trust God to make sure every situation works out for the good of everyone. We can get focused on our story and forget that there's a bigger story out there. Let's remember that even in our bad situations, God is still in control and that it may be happening for some big purpose. Let's continue to seek God and ask him to keep us as we walk through life fulfilling God's big, perfect plan. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for your word. And the people that had relationships with you before us that teach us so many lessons. I just pray that you use your words to guide us and your spirit to guide us as we go throughout the rest of the days of our life. Please bless us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.